this wonderful place. Welcome to JR Out Loud. I'm Judy Herman, and it's, I'm very excited. I'm at a place called Pop Hub, which really rocks. It's right, right near Leicester Square, and it's where Stephen Lawton is rehearsing the revamped, updated version of it, your wonderful play, One Jewish Boy, which you're going to tell me all about now. So this is a step change, I think. Anyway, welcome, Stephen. Hi, how are you doing? Yeah, well, we've, we seem to have chosen the, the day from hell for weather, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> it was out earlier and just got soaked. Oh. I'm going to stay here for as long as possible. Yes, yes. Well, it's very it's comfortable here, everybody, so I yeah, highly yeah. recommend it. So, so tell me, it was always a play that moved from one continent to another. Yes. And it was always a play where things were happening in this relationship that you might not expect or you, you, you know, it went up it went down mm -hmm. but tell me about how it's changed now um i think the biggest step change at the heart of the play and the thing that i really wanted to look at was the relationship itself because at times i'd written something that was more toxic than it needed to be and when we got the train, you know, the play did quite well. So obviously we got this transfer and I thought it presented an opportunity for me to like really look at this play that I'd written quite quickly um, and kind of right the wrongs of the original version. And the one thing I really wanted to look at was this relationship between these two people that didn't always seem... We didn't capture in the scenes that I'd written and I'd chosen, about, uh, I'd chosen to include. We didn't always see the love between them essentially. So I wanted to start there and see where that took us. Um, so the two kind of really big step changes are, there's obviously a year and a half later from when I wrote the play to now. So the play happens, it follows that same um, structure that's bookended, uh, but the bookend happens in 2020, literally in March 2020. Mm. Um, right now. Yeah, right now. Um, and we go back further, basically, and we see in the original version, um, Alex and Jesse met after the anti-Semitic attack that is central to the to the play. And actually, we thought what would be really useful for their relationship and to convey the differences in him and their growth as people is what if that relationship started two years before the attack? Mm. So we got a sense of what they were like together and the actual romance of them, essentially. And, and we could watch that disintegration of the relationship through the lens of something that was beautiful and that was kind of mm. as perfect as something can be at the start, essentially. Um, and that then in turn change the dynamic of a lot of the scenes, essentially. Mm. And actually, in the writing, I went all over the place. There's like a version of the play that happened in December that was so far away from where mm. we've landed. We kind of gone, have gone through full circle in many ways. Uh, so it was a really useful exercise to like really open up the world, really open up the play to see where we could land. And what we've come back to actually is structurally something that if you saw the play first time round, you would recognize. We have that central bookended scene, um, but we jump back further in time and and we jump, we, yeah, we jump forward. Mm to places that we couldn't go last year because last year hadn't happened yet, if that makes sense. Yes, well, yes. <laughs> so just, just let's just, for people listening who haven't seen it and don't know it, and even though it says it's one Jewish boy, it's actually about two people, a couple, um, and how the outside world affects them and how 
they affect each other, etc., etc. But you just give a, a quick breakdown of you know what you need to know. Okay, so basically the play is about a Jewish guy from uh, Highgate uh, who gets involved with a non-Jewish girl from Peckham. And we North South divide. Yeah, the North South divide. <laughs> but actually, it was really interesting because I really wanted to write about class divide, racial divides, all of those kind of things because I wanted Alex's journey to be not so dissimilar to Jesse's. Mm. So in many ways, they should understand one another. But I wanted to talk about how oftentimes anti-Semitism or the idea of anti-Semitism isn't always taken seriously from people outside of our own community, even if they're people that love us. Um, so even though there should be lots of places where they meet, they don't always meet. Mm. Um, the biggest contention that they have is that uh, she has had to deal with the racism in her life and the sexism in her life, mm. all of her life. Yes, we should make clear that she's mixed she's race, isn't she? Mixed race, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So she's mixed race. Her father is uh, Caribbean, essentially, and has, is now living in France, and her mother's Irish, essentially. Mm. So she's mixed mm. race. She's grown up very working class and has dealt with sexism and racism her entire life. Mm. So he's much more able to deal. Um, where Jesse... His attack comes much later. It happens around 2013, and it's very much uh, out of left-wing anti-Semitism and ideas around Israel rather than classic right-wing anti-Semitism mm. that we all know and, and we all see and we know how ugly that can be. So essentially it's about how they navigate that kind of space between them. And I've, I've kind of always said, and I think it still stands, that in the relationship we see her grow up and him grow in. And then they bring a child into it. The other difference, in, in the original play, the child was a little girl. Uh, now it's a little boy. Mm, why? Twofold. Uh, he, the little boy is the one Jewish boy. Oh. So we realised that the play... Well, we realised... I realised uh, that actually the thing that I really wanted to talk about was inherited trauma. Um, and one of the best ways to really look at inherited trauma is to actually put more focus on their child and what that child is going to inherit from both of the parents. Um, and without too much of a spoiler alert, one of the biggest moments of contention in the original play was a hypothetical argument about circumcision. Mm, I knew you were going to say that. Now it's not hypothetical anymore. And exactly. The stakes are higher because it's mm. very real. Mm. And so it's, in, it's introduced as a theme very early on, essentially. And it's something that we keep going back to that keeps getting blown up and blown up and blown mm. up as it becomes a live argument rather than a hypothetical one. Mm. Because again, you know, when you're writing, you know, as a writer, you're writing these worlds and you're writing these characters. So normally you'd have a development. Well, not, normally it takes me about a year to write a play, which now it has. Originally, I wrote that play in about two and a half months. So there were so many things that I'd overlooked. Mm, but there must, you must have felt you had a rocket under you. You wanted to get it out. Oh, absolutely. And it felt very, you know, I'd, I'd written a short version of it that this, it was on in 2018 and I'd written a short version of it that spring that we did as, as at, a, um, at a scratch night. Mm. Um, and the artistic director of The Old Red Lion came along to that scratch night mm. and was like, that is something I'm very interested in. How quickly can you get this to me? Because I have a, a holiday slot and I think it'd be really interesting programming to have a Jewish play about mm. anti-Semitism in, in, in our holiday slots. And I was pretty much like challenge accepted. So from when she saw that, which was the end of May, 
I had the four play ready by the end of August. So it was a really, really quick turnaround. And then from then, you know, we had to get producers on board, finance the thing, you know, get active, you know, do the whole thing in a very short amount of time, essentially. Mm. Um, and then obviously then there was all the nonsense around the play mm. that we were dealing with. So, yeah, an absolute rocket. <laughs> so um, this attack is a personal one on him, isn't it? But it's before the other big step changes that we're incredibly aware of anti-Semitism at the moment, even more than when the play was on first time round. Is that true? Yeah, I think so. I think it's been really interesting looking and listening to some of the press actually around the play and just general press about anti-Semitism, but also hearing what other people who involved in this project have been saying because the actors and the director were very much saying that in many ways, I'd, I'd written something that was ahead of the curve. Mm. Uh, I think that's interesting. Yeah. Well, it, what was really interesting is when I was thinking about the play, it was before I was a writer full-time, I worked in PR, and I was the part-time PR manager at Liberal Judaism, and one of the things that we had to do, w- that we were doing all the time, was responding to anti-Semitic mm. attacks. And it was very much my job that I was, I was watching the newsreel from about... 2015 and just seeing these you know my everyday work was essentially flagging these things with with the rabbis in my movement and and talking to them about it um so i could see it coming and when i first started writing the play i i can get obsessive about small details and things um and i think this was going on in the back of my head and and i was thinking about the world at large and i did this timeline where i looked at the themes um, and kind of the movements in the world, like culturally, politically, artistically, etc., from the Wall Street crash in 1929 up until the beginning of the First World War in both America and Europe. Um, and I drew it out on, a, on an Excel spreadsheet. And then, I comp- and then I did the same thing from the crash of the Lehman Brothers in 2008 up until at that point mid mm. kind of 2017, end of end of that year beginning of 2018 and you could track the movements and the themes within a year or two of one another and that kind of got me worried as like a Jewish guy I was kind of like do we need to do we need to start worrying because people aren't listening to us as as a community and conversations I'd been having with non-Jewish friends where I was saying like this you know there are like these rises that are kind of there into like 20 30 percent rises in attacks every mm. year and these attacks are getting violent and it's not it's not old and it's not coming from old ideas of anti-semitism it's essentially a lot of it's coming from from the left essentially mm. um and what i've noticed actually to just kind of jump out of that a little bit is when i first started talking about this and thinking about this even myself i would say i'm on record saying that left-wing anti-semitism is low level but I don't think I can say that anymore because, and, and it really hurts because as a left-wing person, mm. um, the attack that happened in, it was in New York in December where the guy went into the Hanukkah celebration and mm. kind of the rabbi's house and stabbed um, those five people. Well, first of all, I was about five miles away from that oh. and two of my friends were involved in it um, who'd been at the thing that I was at that, that weekend in the Catskills. Gosh. Like horrifying Mm. um and then it turns out that when the fbi investigated this guy 
his diaries and the anti-Semitism he was talking about mm. was very much based in those left-wing ideas of oh. Jew as the oppressor and uh, there was something about uh, the Black Israelites movement and and race and all that kind of stuff, which very much falls into those uh, those mm. left-wing attacks on, on our community. So I that was kind of a real turning point as well in this version because it was like I can no longer say hand on heart that left-wing anti-Semitism is small fright. You know, I'd been saying it initially and thinking and worrying about it as a gateway drug is the way I've been describing mm. it. But I I would now say that I believe that it's as insidious as any other and, and as dangerous as any other um, anti-Semitism. But to go back to the original question, mm. um, I'd been charting this rise. I'd been worrying about this rise. And I don't know whether it was because of I mean, there are three other plays now in the West End mm. at the same time talking about the same things, you know, that are on at the same time as we are. And... Should we name them all? We can... Yeah, yeah, maybe tell me two. It's Leopoldstadt, mm-hmm. The Doctor, um, and there's a new one that um, Dominic... Why has his name gone out of my head? The guy who used to run the uh, Royal Court. Dominic Cook. Dominic Cook, mm. yes. Um, Dominic Cook has just st- started working on a new play about uh, Nazis, essentially. Mm. So it's something that other theatres are talking about. And when I was writing the play and noticing the play and noticing these conversations I was having with my friends, and I'd gone to a art council mm. thing uh which was about marginalized communities essentially and i asked a question about whether Mm. jews were included in that discourse and they said no and i asked why and they said because in theater jews are very prominent and i said no they're not and they said yes they are and i was like name me name me like five up-and-coming jewish writers and they couldn't and i was like at that point which is like maybe three years ago the people getting plays on were me eve lee rose lewistine and nina segal basically. And then I noticed that out of the kind of the, I mean, there are a few more around now, and there are some directors who are great, but I noticed out of those writers, none of us were talking about anti-Semitism. And no one was, no one was accepting. And, you know, my non-Jewish friends, as I was saying, they weren't accepting that anti-Semitism was a problem. And Mm. we were seeing it emerge in the Labour Party at that point, you know, the the, the very early signs of it. And and it was being, you know, it it was being deflected as it's Mm. been deflected even to this to this point so it was very much like I need I need to write about this because it's something I'm very concerned with mm. it's something no one's talking about um, so I'm very pleased that this has opened up some conversations people are talking about it now aren't they I mean I've, I've just come from talking to two uh, women Jewish MPs and oh, okay that's what we were there for to talk about it but the wound is so deep because the Labour Party was meant to be the party for the Jews. You know, it's it, it's. I, I've just been to see um, Stephen Burkhoff's take on the Battle of Cable Street. They shall not pass, in yeah. which he specifically mentions, obviously, the, the Labour Party and all the rest of it. And you know, it's it's just extraordinary to, th- to think where we are now and how can thing how can it be endemic in the Labour Party anti-Semitism? But it is. So these women were telling me it is absolutely. I mean, when you look at, I mean, and it is so surprising because socialism starts with a Jew, <laughs> right? You would have thought, yeah. And then you've got you've got the Labour Party where you have people like Ralph Miliband, Leo mm. Apps. Do you know what I mean? These mm. these great, amazing people who were like. 
push the Jewish mm. labor movement. And as you so rightly say, the Cable Street stuff that was going on, you had East End Jewish radicalized mm. left-wing thought. You know, it's so mm. part and parcel. You know, those two movements, the Jewish labor movement and just the labor movement are so deeply interwoven and so deeply connected. You know, and I grew up very much a staunch labor. So, you know, I, when I was a little boy, I used to sing in the local labor club before the bingo. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? So it's what did you sing? I was <laughs> oh, just like, well, they were like whatever the chart song was of the week when I was like, what? I, what? I remember actually the one thing that I definitely remember singing was the EastEnders theme tune. <laughs> oh, gosh. <laughs> With the lyrics. as like an eight-year-old boy. And mm. I sang... Uh, uh, don't go breaking my heart and, oh it's just all sorts I mean yeah, right. I, I like, had my little slot before the bingo you know I think I'm going to change the name of my podcast to We Gotta Talk yeah. <laughs> right <laughs> it's a great name it would be um, actually, wouldn't it <laughs> and this last election was really interesting for me oh the last couple have been really interesting mm. for me because I I've been a Labour supporter my entire life mm. Uh, and I've been in the party since I was able to vote and I voted, I have actually officially voted Labour in every election, but mm. this last one was a really difficult one for me. And the problem with Jeremy Corbyn, because uh, of course we have to talk about him, I personally feel very let down by the man because mm. I canvassed for him. Oh. Like when he first went for leadership, you know, and I didn't know, maybe I didn't do my homework as well as I could have done, but I really liked where he sat socially. Mm. Uh, I hadn't looked into potentially him as a human being enough um, but I know that when he was first standing back in 2015, 2016 I very much was behind him and I remember his office being very much in touch with me all of the time because I was one of the people canvassing for him and being a volunteer mm. and then when the kind of stories and we were doing my homework and it all came out and I wrote, I've written to Jeremy Corbyn a lot and since I stopped canvassing for him, he has never responded. Mm. And I invite he my play was in his constituency, mm. less than a ten minute walk from his house. And I invited him to come and oh, he well, did it was Lidlington, yes. Yeah, yeah. And he did not come and he is mm. not ever and and I just as a I feel like as a Jewish person who had a connection with him, mm. who was never it was never confrontational. But I was very much in the correspondence I had with him. I was like, let me ask you these questions. And why aren't you talking about these things? Why can't you talk about these things? So I, I do feel a very personal kind of like, mate, come on. I got emails off you every day when I was doing you a favour. Yeah. Oh, dear, fair weather friend. Right, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Before we go back to the play, we didn't talk with the MPs about Twitter storms and abuse, but I know they've suffered horribly from that, both as um, Jews and as women. Mm. And I think you've had a similar experience, haven't you, both as a Jew and as a gay man, is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. So when, and it started up again as well, uh, so when we first announced in... September 20, I've got to remember my years, September 2018, we got some very initially low-level kind of trolley responses, which were essentially, why should we give an F word about your play when you're blowing up Palestinian babies? And it was literally like, I am a British diaspora Jew. I have as much of a vote in Israel as anyone else in the UK. Like, like I have no say in the politics. And wherever you sit in this dispute, and I, I've generally try not to wade into it, but wherever you sit in this dispute, it is a political one about land between two warring nations. That may get me into trouble for calling it, for saying that, but essentially mm. it's a political dispute over land. So the 
the very first thing that I tried to do when I first started getting some of these silly trolling responses was basically kind of just say, can we look at the language that we use when we're talking about politics? Because when we talk about the politics in the UK or in America or in Europe, we talk about people and we talk about parties. And I think that one of the problems that we have with where, where left-wing anti-Semitism comes from is that we don't do that. We're not specific. We don't say Likud. We don't say Benjamin Netanyahu. We don't say Abbas. We don't say the PLA. We say Israel. So that immediately conflates all of Israel with a problem, uh, which then conflates, that then gets conflated with the word Zionist, which then gets conflated with the word Jew, which means that people like you and I, who have nothing to do with this problem, essentially, were suddenly put on trial to talk about it. Mm. So what was really interesting was that then, because I was trying to elegantly respond and thoughtfully respond and not just knee-jerk, uh, that kind of put my politics on trial. Uh, which potentially what I should have done is just shut up and not said anything. <laughs> because then what was really interesting, that, that kind of grew, that storm grew uh, in both directions. For In fairness, for every one person that had a go at me, there were at least five people defending my honour. Um, what was then really interesting is that there were then elements of the Jewish community and the Israeli community that started having a go at me and saying that I was a traitor because I dared mm-hmm. speak out against the Israeli, the current Israeli administration. Uh, <laughs> which was just irritating more than anything. Like just, you know, but then, it, you know, it, it, it was kind of fine. It was just like, I, I don't have, you know, I don't have time for this. I'm dealing with these people over here, essentially. But what that seemed to do, or uh, what the whole thing by this point, you know, we're now in about October time and people are saying that they're going to, you know, and, and some of the abuse is getting worse. But what then happened was the abuse spilled over into real life. Um and so that by this point, people are threatening to come and stop the show. And some people did try and turn up at the mm. theatre to stop the show. Uh, so I was having to be down there every night to just deal. Because we were just a small team. We were a small production. Oh. So like, we didn't have the resources. So it was literally me on the ground. And also, I very much wanted to protect the rest of the team. You know, my director was yeah. pregnant at the time. Mm-hmm. We lost a producer who was also pregnant at the mm-hmm. time and a but, bunch of funding. But this, this is actually physical threat and abuse, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And some three people... Directly, so there were two uh, direct threats to that were online and like like digital threat. You know, they got they, they got into like my inbox or whatever. They got one person got my my mm. email address and one person was having a go at me on on direct messaging on Facebook and Twitter. Mm. And that was very much if you don't stop your Zionist propaganda, we will stop it for you. The scary moment was when I got a letter to my house. Oh. And I was like, how do you know where I live? How have you got this? You know, what kind of, you know, obviously information is information. We can get anything. Mm. But someone had sat there and had found out where I lived and had decided to send me a letter. And the letter was crazy. Like, it was crazy. Mm. Like, the, 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 the sense of it, it made no sense. It was every kind of Jewish conspiracy was in there. And then, like, putting me into that. There were drawings on it. It was just, mm. it was just kind of horrible. And very, like, it was very, and it, it very much threatens me and my mm. safety. Did you go to the police? Uh, we went to the CST mm. initially uh, and got advice from those guys. And then, yeah, there was a, then I think a second letter went to my agency. My, I wasn't going to go to the police, but the, my agency oh. went to the police, basically. I, got, I remember getting this call, basically, saying, you're going to get a call from the police. Mm. Um, 
It's it's absolutely it's so frightening, and yeah. so much of it is to do with people not having to identify themselves. I mean, there's obviously there must have always been these nutters around, absolutely. but now they've got this brilliant opportunity. They've got a platform, and they can hide themselves as well. I just I don't know where we're going to go from here. Well, I mean that's the thing because where does it where does it stop? And and also, so I I was I I was under the false illusion that. Uh, that we hadn't, that, you know, we kind of gotten away from it. Mm. We'd escaped it this time mm. around, but actually last Thursday it all started up again. Oh, uh, right. <laughs> I know you're doing a play again. Yeah, 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 oh. yeah, but different people this time. And it started mm. in the same way, but it seems to have gone away again, so maybe I'll avoid it. Just kind of the thing that we got last week that I got were, were just a couple of posts. One of them saying, it was kind of like misery top trumps, you know, essentially <laughs> F off Jews, like why are you moaning when there are children being stabbed on the streets? Um, um, which is just irritating and annoying. Yes, yeah, so it's, it's sort of a blunt instrument, isn't it? They're sort of flailing around. And, and has any of this also um, spilled over into, a, into abuse about your sexuality, or is it mainly to do with being Jewish? Uh, this one, it's been about Jewish. There's a couple of things, just about mm. being queer or whatever, yeah, and Jewish queer, you know, but like that was just kind of like mm. in the general trolling of me. Yes. For them, it was the icing on the cake, but I, I yeah, suppose yeah, we yeah. should call it the manure on the pile. <laughs> the manure on the pile. <laughs> yeah, so um, they were much more interested in mm. my being Jewish than my being gay, but that that did come up essentially, mm. and it was just kind of like, what what do you respond? When, you know, when do you get upset? I mean, what was really interesting about at, when we were doing it all originally, oh, because then the next level of the anti-Semitism was, you know, even on the last day of the of the show, someone had ripped down the poster in the gents, thrown it in the urinal, mm. and then like urinated over it, and and you know, people were drawing swastikas on the posters and stuff, and ripping them down and stuff. So this was going on like through the whole thing. And, and it's just because it's got Jewish in the title. They wouldn't have known otherwise, would they? Well, from September to December the 8th, which is, mm. what, a good three and a half, four mm. months, only ten people had read the script, so they didn't even know what it was about. And it was literally because it, it had the word Jewish in the title. Mm. And then even then, even though we did really, really well, like the Old Red Lion, it's a small theatre, only about a 1,000 people saw that play. Mm. <laughs> right? Like, mm. so... Um, a lot of people who were attacking me hadn't seen the play, and everyone who was attacking me before they'd seen the play and were coming to see the play then saw the play and didn't attack me. <laughs> well, that's something, I suppose. Yeah. Well, it's a very strange review, isn't it? We saw the play and, and we didn't attack you, but it's, there's a sort of implicit review there, isn't yeah, there? Yeah, 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 yeah. It was all right. It wasn't what we were worried about. Yeah. So you're okay, you yeah, know. you can have four stars for not being what we were worried about. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. Um, and I, I just kind of remember at the time just kind of sitting down afterwards mm. and realising how hard it had been because mm. I kind of had to shoulder it mm. in all ways. And I don't think I realised at the time, but I realised afterwards that I'd actually been really scared. Well, that's what I was wondering. I mean, you've also been very brave. I mean, you know, you've sort of had to be, but you had, you've picked it up and run with it, haven't you? Well, yeah, I mean, also, like, I didn't want to get... I mean, Sarah was pregnant at the time, so it was just like, I really need to make sure that nothing bad happens to Sarah and that she's not really stressed out because it was the early stages of her pregnancy. Yeah, Sarah Sarah Meadows, the director. She's had the baby now? She's had the baby now, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. She had? Yeah, she had a little girl. Right. Yeah, she's adorable. (laughs) She's so adorable. Um, So, and she's been in the uh, rehearsal a little bit, which is gorgeous. Um, So that was really great. Um, But also the actors, you know, like, half of the team it was also very important to me in telling the story that it wasn't just a bunch of Jews in the corner basically mm. saying you know we have a problem please listen to mm. us I th- you know I, 
I don't like the word strategic, but I, I think that I wanted to make sure that there were enough non-Jewish people involved in mm. the production, both, you know, half the cast, I know it's two, but half the cast isn't Jewish. Mm. And I wanted to make sure that half the crew also weren't Jewish. So I think that's fair, dude. Yeah, so it was mm. just kind of like, you know, because although I'm writing something very specific, I think there's universality mm. in it. But in doing... In, in, in saying all of that I also need to protect these guys because they were doing a job and they were being mm. allies and they were care, you know they cared and they, and they whatever and I definitely didn't want anyone in my team I didn't want to have the responsibility for something mm. that I wrote ended up in the injury of someone who's come aboard to, and especially because it was fringe so people aren't being paid like yeah. particularly well <laughs> do you know what I mean let's go back to this new incarnation so step change here we're in the west end well yes yes we're within the sound of of big ben really in the Trafalgar studios and very near westminster fantastic in whitehall um but we still have the same cast so you tell remind me you know it's for you to say you're a wonderful cast so we have uh, Robert Newmark Jones. He's one Jewish boy. Who, yeah, mm. Oh, mm, he was last time. It's his son now. <laughs> no, I mean, I mean, yeah, I no, I meant he, he actually is a nice Jewish boy. He's a nice yeah. Jewish boy. A nice Jewish boy. He's a very nice Jewish boy. <laughs> yes. We love Robert. Mm. Uh, so he's playing Jesse, um, and then Asher Reed is back to play Alex. Mm. Uh, so we've got the same. I mean, we've basically got the same everyone. Mm. We lost our lighting. Uh, designer Lucy Adams because she got a wonderful job at the National so fair enough take the job at the National well, I think in a way you can take a little credit for that they would have said oh didn't she like that well Lucy oh. means night light doesn't it so <laughs> yeah 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 nominative exactly. determinative isn't it yeah so how, well, how's it been for them revisiting it with the changes and let's go back to this this slightly different sweep that you've got here I feel like in many I thought it would be easier for everyone but I think we've all found it in the nicest possible way. We've all found it slightly more difficult for a number of reasons. Uh, partly we're all much more invested than we were. The stakes feel higher. Mm. You know, we're, we're, uh, it feels like, you know, we've been given this amazing opportunity to step up. So we have to make it, you know, and the play did really, really well. And, and mm. people responded to it really well. And it was a fantastic production. You know, the acting was incredible. The directing, the light, you know, the music, the whole thing was incredible. Um, so it's kind of like we've, we've kind of got this pre- us now to prove that we were worthy of this entirely new platform and in really ripping open the heart of the play and really delving into the real stakes of the play and what it really means on a really personal level like a really the thing that I always want to do if I'm writing political if I'm writing anything I just really want to smash it into the domestic and smash it into the personal and even now, I don't think any play ever gets truly finished. But I think we were lucky to have the reviews that we got because it was a very flawed play. And so, in 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 being able, in being given the opportunity to revisit it and really get into the heart of it, it's in a way much. On one level, it's much slicker and a much more elegant, well-written play. Um, but at the same time, I think it's a much rawer piece now. Mm because we really cracked open what the emotion is and what it really means to these two people who desperately love one another um, and are trying to stay together under really, really difficult circumstances. And some of those are external, aren't they? Yeah, oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. You that's know, the th- point, isn't it? That's the point, mm. that this world, you know, the world that they're in has, has literally come in and, and mm. tore them apart because ultimately Jesse is not armed to deal with this awful mm. thing that's happened to him. Mm. You know, and I think there's something there about, on one level... 
we, I guess we do have this sense in the Jewish community, we do have this mm. sense that these things keep coming around, it's cyclical, but that mm. doesn't make it any less surprising when it happens to us. Yeah, and also for him, it's post-traumatic stress, isn't it? I mean, he's really dealing with that, isn't it? He's really dealing with it. He's really dealing with a, a really personal attack where mm. he felt powerless. And I really went into it this time mm. in a way that I'm not sure that I did last time, where I really looked at what does that mean? And I spoke to people. I've luckily oh. never been attacked in quite the same way. I've had like mm. some low level incidents, mm. but never been beaten up, as, never been hospitalized because of an attack mm. on me. That's the whole point of this one, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. He's hospitalized, you know. And, and so I went and I spoke to people who have been hospitalized in. In, you know, in attacks that have been uh, that have come from a place of hate, basically, um, and there was this moment in the original play where I was using the next door neighbour, this kind of like, like mm. anti-Semitism that comes from this old lady next door that's very political. That's gone now because mm. what I wanted that to do was I wanted it to be a moment of grieving for the Jewish community that Jesse takes us on. Um, so the new incarnation of it, which happens at the end of the play rather than the beginning, he has this moment where he ties in what happened to himself, what happened to him, and what when he was being beaten up, what that represented to him as a powerless Jewish person, where these things keep happening mm. to our community every kind of 100 years or whatever. Mm. Um, and he literally links it directly with oh. that endless suffering that we've yeah. seen in our parents and our grandparents and our, yeah. you know. So it's sort of cyclical. I mean, you know, I have to say from where I stand, although, of course, the Holocaust was near when I was born, but that's when people didn't talk about it. Yeah. And then, you know, all my young life, until quite recently, and I'm far from that now, obviously, um, there wasn't a, a perception of anti-Semitism particularly. And it is just these last few years, which I... I mean, I can sort of put it down to lots of things, but I do think that social media has got a lot to answer for. But it's much that's it's much much bigger than that, and you know the whole Israel thing. But it, that's a hiding behind something as well. It all is, isn't it? It's a self righteousness. It's it's terrifying. Yeah, it really is, and and I, I th it's it, the mind boggles sometimes because I hear things that people say. Even this December, I really I saying before, I really struggled with the decision on who to vote for. And I was told by my non-Jewish friends that essentially, yeah, we hear what your worries are, but there's a bigger problem and you need to take it, your community needs to take it on the chin for the bigger problem. And I'm like, you would never say that to another community. I, I don't know of any other community that could would put their maybe the trans community that would put their hands up and say, We have a real problem, we're worried. And then to be told that their worry isn't isn't legitimate. Mm. Just um, it's a completely different, slightly different tack. But um, I do remember this astonishingly interesting set you had. Yes. Where we but we were on two sides of it really. The, the audience we were looking in, uh, almost through a screen. Uh, have you are you retaining that or have you started again? I mean, because it's probably more difficult at Trafalgar Studio. So we have an element of that. So the Trafalgar Studios is on three sides, so we're on a thrust. Mm. Mm. Um, oh, that little one, yes, I know the one, yes, yeah, great. Yeah. Mm. So what we have instead is we still have the box, mm. but the box doesn't have the gauze on it anymore. Ah, oh, the gauze was thrilling, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so we don't have the gauze on it, but what mm. we have instead is we have this new, and, and then we had kind of all of this graffiti and stuff mm. on the back wall mm. and all mm. over that kind yeah. of bled in. 
Um, and some of it was cool and colourful and some of it was anti-Semitic. Very clever, very clever. Yeah, George is amazing. Mm. What we have this time is we have kind of this, this back wall mm. that's slightly more abstract mm. and is kind of like silver and grey mm. and things emerge from it, essentially, and the years mm. emerge from it. Mm. Um, and then the we have a movement director this time, so some of the attacks and the other things, we, we see a... In the new version, we see something that Alex went through that's also really, really oh. difficult for her. Um, I won't spoil it. No, but um, I think that's good. You know, yeah, yeah, so we see I mean, it's not just balance for the sake of balance, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, you know, I think we, we don't want to be too inward looking. We have to know what other people go through. Yes, absolutely. Um, and also because it, it highlights how close, again, how close mm. they should be, mm. but how they just can't, they just... Mm. They just can't connect on this this similar pain. So there's actually one scene where that where we see because luckily because I've broken the timeline, things can happen mm. in different orders. Mm. So we do see his moment of trauma and her moment of mm. trauma happening at the same time, even though they're five years mm. apart essentially. Mm. Um, and we use the set because it's kind of all almost projected onto the back mm. of it. So it's kind of like this really interesting abstract set that is born. And I think that's a really good metaphor for the entire play. Like the new mm. production is born of what we've seen before. Mm. But we've all had the opportunity to grow up a little bit and to have a little bit more time. And we've got, you know, it's a bigger platform. So we have a little bit more money and we can really do this properly <laughs> this time. I love the idea of properly. Now, that's almost a good place to stop. But I would just like to say that it's funny and tender and life affirming as well. Because we may be yes. sort of giving the impression oh, that it's, it's you know, it, it's all very down, but it's not. No, and there's more lightness. Mm. So there, and, and I, I was really careful in the structure this time to show like the light and the shade a little mm. bit more. So we, uh, and one of the reasons why I wanted to have the relationship start from before the attack is uh, we really needed to see why and how they fell in love. And we see mm. that now. And we yeah. see, we see Jesse before, mm. before he starts getting scared. So we see, we really can chart like the demise of this man essentially. Mm. So we we have and the love is always there. Even in the end, there's like there's. I think that we didn't always know why they were together, and we certainly were almost rooting for them to split mm. up. And that absolutely, even in, at the very end this time, that that is not the case. Mm. You know, there's there's stuff that we were playing with even today, where we were like I'm literally rewriting mm. as we go, going mm. like oh let's put this line in because then there's kind of like a little bit of grey there. So there's definitely love and there's definitely tenderness because the thing that I really wanted to write was the greatest love story that I was capable of writing. So I, I and I really wanted there to be a love story, like a real love story between these people. So we see that. That really is a good place to stop. <laughs> a beautiful place to stop. Oh, Stephen, thank you so much for talking to me. I That's talked to Robert last time and that was a joy and it's a huge joy to talk to you this thank time, you. Stephen. Thank you. Thank you. Lovely to talk to you, Judy.